Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Film with CJ. My name is CJ, my pronouns are they, them, as always. This episode, this week, I'm gonna try my damnedest to do better with my microphone. I'm just so used to like being all up in the mic's face when speaking, um, especially with my last mic because it was just kind of a shitty mic. I might come back to it if I am in extreme situations, but the mic that I have now is light years better. Um, But I've just noticed that like my P's and my B's have sounded really, really pronounced like I'm swallowing the microphone. Um, And I'm not trying to do that, but um, yeah, I'm going to do my best this week to be a little bit better with that. Um, And hopefully by the end, I'll have gotten the hang of it. Something new with me is that I deleted my Instagram. Um, I deleted my Instagram on December 31st of last year, and I have not looked back. And I'm really proud of myself for doing that because I just had a really unhealthy relationship with my Instagram, and I think some other people in my life had an unhealthy relationship with my Instagram, which was kind of odd. But um, just, you know, years of having weird and bad experiences with Instagram and other people interacting with my Instagram and also just it fucking with my self-image and like how I'm perceived with other peop- by other people. Um, I really just wasn't enjoying it and I genuinely thought and still think that Instagram is a circle of hell but uh finally got the courage to just completely delete it after kind of delaying ridding my life of it for a long time um and overall I feel a lot better um there's a couple things that like there have been a couple times where I've been like talking to my friends and they're like oh, did you know this about so-and-so? And And I'm like, no. (laughs) No, I had no idea. Um, And I'm pretty sure, like, I would have known if I was on Instagram. But um, that's okay. I think we should all just know a little bit less about each other. And I think a big part of the relief about me deleting Instagram was that people know less about me. And... Not that I felt like I didn't have control over my Instagram or, like, control over what I posted, but I just don't like... I didn't... Part of the reason why I had an unhealthy relationship was I just didn't like feeling like everyone who followed me had access to me. Um, And you can, like... I applaud Instagram a little bit. I mean, fuck Instagram and fuck Facebook and fuck Meta. Um... But I applaud Instagram a little bit for coming a long way in terms of, like, giving Instagram users a lot more ownership over their account with, like, turning the like count off and, like, turning comments off and, like, controlling who can and who cannot message you and those things like that. And the, like, remove follower button was revolutionary. The remove follower feature, close friends, um, I loved it, um, but... Ultimately, I just decided for myself that I needed to rid my life of Instagram completely. Um, And I have friends who still have Instagram, so if I ever need to use their Instagram to stalk someone, I can still do that. 
so none of you are safe. But um, as far as, like, having access to me on Instagram, none of you will ever. If I ever come back to Instagram, um, it'll just be in a private capacity where I post whenever, wherever, however I want for myself, and I don't let anyone follow me, and I don't follow anyone. But when I think about it, that really comes down to just, like, me looking through my camera roll. Like, that is the same the same kind of concept, I guess, as having a very, very, very private Instagram, except you don't have the quote-unquote sensation of posting. So I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever come back. I don't know. I don't know. But I say all this to say is um, I'm going to update the link tree that I have for the podcast because I'm pretty sure one of the links is to my Instagram. So I'm going to take that off and I don't know, probably no one has looked at it or clicked on the link tree, but if you have and you've tried to look at my Instagram, you will be navigated to nothing because it doesn't exist. This week, I want to talk about the film Spencer that came out in 2021, technically last year, but um, biggest star in it is Kristen Stewart, and I know we... Many of us hate to love Kristen Stewart. I openly love Kristen Stewart. Um, I'm a fan of her. I'm not going to lie. I ate up all the Twilight series um, or all the movies in the Twilight series. And I've pretty much seen every movie that she's ever been in. And I know last year she was in some interview and she was quoted as saying like out of all the movies she's done, she thinks like only three or four are actually good. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. But for some reason, I can't stop watching her. I can't stop watching her. I'm going to preface this movie by saying um, that this movie definitely should have a trigger warning because it deals with and shows um, self-harm, mental illness, and eating disorders. I'm not going to go into those details about what specifically happened concerning those topics, in the movie, um, just to keep it sensitive um, to people who are sensitive to those topics. But I just want to say that, um, that if you're going to watch this movie, be aware that those things are discussed and shown pretty visibly in the movie. Spencer is a drama slash historical film about the marriage between, or lack of marriage, lack of love in the marriage between Princess Diana and Prince Charles in the late 90s. And it specifically centers around Christmas festivities at the Queen's estate and everyone coming together um, for what is supposed to be a peaceful week of events and how that affects Princess Diana and her role in the family, and how the media and essentially the world perceives her. I will state, and just so everyone knows, this is this movie is not like a documentary. It's not a true story. It's a, they call it a fable based on a true tragedy. It's a made-up storyline that's based on true events that have been verified 
by the media, by the world. Um, but the story itself is not 100% true. It's just loosely based on facts um, because I don't think we'll ever really get to know everything that happened to Princess Diana because the royal family is fucking shady. And I don't, I went into this movie. I, when I tell you I don't know anything about the royal family, like, I don't know anything about the royal family. Like, I do not need to know anything more about old white people, old rich white people. Like, I've learned enough. I don't need to invest any more time in, in doing that, regardless of where they live, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they've done. I grew up in the United States. Like, all of our, all of our U.S. history is based on old rich white people, so... Don't give a fuck about ones that live in the UK. Having said that, after I watched this movie, and even during low-key, this movie made me Wikipedia the hell out of Princess Diana because I had zero idea that her story was this sad. And I'm sure, and this movie, I'm sure, did not talk even talk about, like, everything that happened to her and her story um but what they did show and talk about in this movie was incredibly heavier than I thought it was going to be like Princess Diana went through it and if that is the way that the royal family actually is in real life like I I just like I don't blame her I don't know if she did anything bad, quote unquote bad, but if she did, I don't blame her. I don't blame her for whatever she did. I also don't blame Meghan Markle and Prince Harry for wanting to get the fuck out of the royal family and give up their royal duties because to be a part of that family? For what? For what? What is the reason? As a black woman, especially... I would never. I would absolutely never. The Christmas week of festivities at the Queen's Estate that is kind of like the focus of the... I mean, it's not the focus of the plotline because um, Princess Diana is in this movie, but it's kind of the reason why all of these characters are at the same place at the same time. Um, but it ends up being kind of somewhat like a jail or a prison for princess diana because at the time like the media was all over her there were so many rumors about her marriage with prince charles and like what was going to happen with them and like all of them were just like surrounding her by dogs and like going onto the property to try to like take pictures through her window and just everything was just so so much all the all the time and it didn't help that princess diana just didn't fit in with the royal family like she was considerably more stylish like considerably more progressive a lot more charitable um and freaking nice to look at because <laughs> everyone in the royal family is fucking ugly if you ask me but she didn't fit in and there was just so much pressure on her to look good and be presentable and basically just to shut up and look good that she developed some really unhealthy habits and a really unhealthy frame of mind um which is completely understandable 
from the circumstances and her environment. And thankfully in this movie, it didn't affect like how she related to her kids. She was always a good mom in this in this movie, but you could really just tell that she was, she was literally like fighting for her life, like fighting for her life. This, this movie, it's not particularly comfortable. It's not particularly comfortable. Um, I, I personally didn't have a hard time watching it because I watch movies, like I watch horror movies and I watch thriller and anything like that, but it's considerably more serious and heavy than I was expecting it to be. And I, not knowing anything about the royal family, I appreciated that. But there's a lot of people out there who were saying, like, this movie was a flop because it read like a horror movie. Like, it was extremely uncomfortable to watch and nobody would want to see that in theaters. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. I, like... If you've ever seen the movie The Impossible about that family that gets, like, ravaged by a tsunami in Indonesia, um, or maybe it was Thailand, I'm going to sound really stupid and racially insensitive, but um, white family, of course, got ravaged by a tsunami while on vacation. That movie was uncomfortable, and that movie did very, very, very well at the in theaters. I think people just, like, have a certain taste in their mouth about Kirsten Stewart and don't think that like she's particularly fun to watch which I get it but this was by far her best movie I don't know if that's saying much but she did amazingly well playing Princess Diana and having seen this movie I think it was a very hard role to play and to do it well and I think she delivered um this, yeah, this was absolutely her best movie ever. And I think she deserves an award for her performance in Spencer. Kristen Stewart did her thing in this movie. She did her damn thing. She was Princess Diana as far as I'm concerned. And I I never really see Kristen Stewart in, like, I think I've only seen one other movie where she was in, like, a very super ultra femme role. She was definitely very femme in this movie, and she's not femme in real life. I would say at best, she's, like, androgynous. <laughs> but um, she she fit, she fit into the femme role very, very well. And um, I just, I, I really enjoyed this movie for, for what it was, and, like, I'm not even saying, like, for what it was as a bad thing. I genuinely do appreciate the angle that this movie went in. And I, knowing nothing about the royal family, appreciated the uncomfortableness, appreciated how much they were willing to show and really go into what she was going through. And I'm sure there were things that they left out, and I'm sure there are things that I don't know about Princess Diana Diana and things about the royal family, but if any of any part of this movie held any weight, wow. Everyone in the royal family is a huge dick. A huge dick. The media is a huge dick. That's fucking crazy. 
It's fucking crazy. One angle that I didn't really understand in this movie was, so Princess Diana has basically a staff of women who help dress her, who help plan her outfits, everything, do her hair, makeup, it all. Um, And there's one woman named Maggie that she's particularly close with because she doesn't believe all the, like, royal family bullshit like everyone else in the royal family. And so her and Princess Diana get really, really close. Um, Towards the end, there is, like, a confession of romantic love for Princess Diana from Maggie And I'm telling this, I'm saying this in the episode because it doesn't add or take away really anything to the storyline, in my opinion. And it's definitely not a spoiler because it's not like they run off into the sunset together. But I don't understand why that was in the movie if it's, if, like, we can't verify it. Like... Was there actually a staff member that confessed her feelings for Princess Diana? Was? Yeah, I I don't know. It didn't add anything to the story for me. Like, I think the story would have been the same if they were just as close, but Maggie was not romantically interested in her. I just don't think it was really that important to have that in the story. But... That is the director and the writer's decision, not mine, and that is why they get paid the big bucks. But personally, don't quite get that. I wanted so badly for Princess Diana to just tell everybody to fuck the entire fuck off, but I guess it's just not what you do in the royal family if you're part of the royal family. Um, And I guess it's just not what you do in the 90s. I don't know. But especially Prince Charles. I would have at least told that man to go suck it. Like, to go off and fucking suck it somewhere. Because if any, if if there was any validity to how his character was portrayed versus the real Prince Charles, that man can go suck my left nut. Okay, let's take a look at some audience reviews. So we got 84% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 76% on Metacritic, but 2.4 out of 5 stars on Google Reviews. Let's see what the people are saying. One person says, a tribute to our beloved Princess Diana. What would have been Princess Diana's 60th birthday came and went this summer marked by a solemn new statue in the sunken garden of Kensington Palace in London, showing her with three generically grateful children. This statue effectively superseded the one of Diana with Dodie Fade in Harrods department store, which was taken down in 2018. But maybe the new bronze image will itself be superseded by the art house Bizarro Diana promoted in Spencer, an entertaining, if overwrought, overpraised, and slightly obtuse movie, an ironized fantasy opera without music. It is about Diana having a crack up over one stifling Windsor Christmas at Sandringham in 1991 with which screenwriter Stephen Knight appears to have transcribed a dream he once had after eating his body weight in Brie. <laughs> oh my god, this guy is going in. Okay. The director is the Chilean filmmaker Pablo Lorraine, and it fears 
It features an intrusive score by Johnny Greenwood, definitely cranking up the dysfunction. Diana is cleverly impersonated by Kristen Stewart, who is particularly good at shoulder-shrugging convulsions of misery and protest. Although this big-screen awards performance is not as good as Emma Corrin's relaxed and sympathetic portrayal in TV's The Crown. Spencer is as precise and intricate as a luxury timepiece, each piece fitting together perfectly no matter how small. Sally Hawkins only has a few scenes as Maggie, Diana's trusted dresser and confidant, but exudes such warmth and good humor that we miss her as much as Diana does when she goes away. As Alistair Gregory, a former major and clear company man tasked with keeping the press away, Timothy Spall is all pursed mouth, is all pursed mouth menace. But the film is Stewart's to carry, and she does it by going less minimalist than is her habit, and by allowing an awareness of the absurdity of Diana's situation to seep in, even as she plays the woman suffering entirely straight. Diana's is such a singular dilemma, that of the tormented woman trapped in line to be queen in the 1990s, that the only person able to relate within the movie itself is Anne Boleyn, who, played, played by Amy Manson, shows up in visions to offer her sympathy and warnings. In some ways, the alienating plushness of her troubles is the biggest hardship of them for Diana. She can't help treating the staffers around her as colleagues instead of people who are paid to inform on her, no matter how fond they might be. And Stuart plays the moments in which Diana blurts out her feelings as akin to the way the character runs to the bathroom after meals. Okay. Yeah, this review is fine. This review is fine. Um, I can tell this person didn't particularly like it and feels particularly connected to Princess Diana. So I'm assuming this person lives in the UK um, or London. Um, this person says, A beautifully captured movie with absolutely no shots being put to waste. The fashion is breathtakingly gorgeous, but furthermore, it's so revealing. Pablo uses gorgeous pieces like vintage Chanel suits and stunning silk designer dresses not only as an ode to Lady Spencer's iconic fashion, but also as, an, as her tool of revolt and symbol of oppression simultaneously. Kristen Stewart's performance is even better. Stewart feels like a reincarnation of Lady Diana rather than a typical biopic imitation. She keeps you hooked from the moment you see her on screen, from her facial expressions to her gestures to her regal struts or delicate head tilts. She easily manages to elegantly capture Diana's heart-on-her-sleeve vulnerability, and Pablo's visually stunning scenes masterfully transport us into Diana's most inner anguish and dire realities. Pablo elegantly gifts the viewer with a thrilling, mind-blowing movie that borders on horror-slash-thriller genre with scenes from the young actors who play Harry and William both adding to this and providing the only levity the film gives us. This movie is easily and effortlessly my favorite of the year. It's, it's the kind of film that demands more than one watch in order to fully experience and appreciate every masterful choice the film gives us. It is a very different take on biopics, and boy did Pablo get it right. I definitely recommend. Okay, yes, agreed. Agreed, agreed. On the, especially the fashion piece. That was very interesting. Um, but there's, you know, kind of some scenes where Diana's staff has all of her clothes picked up for the entire time that she's there, specifically what time to wear each dress, each outfit. Um, and she starts to kind of rebel against the establishment by wearing different outfits 
um, at different times that she's not supposed to. And it actually ruffles some feathers like you would not believe. So um, I really liked that the film used clothing as a symbol because Diana in real life was looked at as kind of a fashion icon. And so I, I loved it, you know, being used in that way in this movie. So definitely. This person said, I didn't know what to expect with this movie, so I was very pleasantly surprised that this turned out to be a very unusual, haunting, heartbreaking, and likely accurate depiction of what life was like for Diana in the opulent and gilded cage that was world life with a cold, uncaring, and emotionally bereft husband. At times, this film felt like a macabre nightmare, but the constant emotion that I was left with was heartbreak for Diana and the trap she had fallen in into at such a young, innocent and naive point in her life. But the time she was by the time she was able to make her escape, fate dealt her an even more cruel and vicious hand in the form of her untimely death. Kristen Stewart embodied Diana's pain, vulnerability, and insecurities brilliantly, and although she doesn't much look like her, she was able to capture her voice, accent, and mannerisms perfectly. Definitely an Oscar-worthy performance, even though this movie was very painful and difficult for me to watch as a fan of Diana, not to mention emotionally draining and heartbreaking. I'd recommend it to anyone who loved her and wondered what life behind palace doors was like for her or anyone else who dares to join this horrible, ghastly family. The movie is slow and dull at times, which is why I'm only giving it four stars. Otherwise, a haunting, unforgettable portrait of a beloved icon that continues to fascinate and mesmerize us. Okay, agreed with this film or this film review. I the thing that I will expound upon a little bit is the comment about it being slow and dull at times. This movie does particularly focus on a lot of a lot on her mental state and does go into flashbacks about like her childhood and like if you didn't know and I didn't know until after I watched this and Wikipedia'd her. Princess Diana literally grew up on the property of the Queen's estate. And that was arguably one of the reasons how she got introduced to the royal family at a young age and eventually ended up marrying into the royal family. So her going to the Queen's estate for these Christmas activities was literally on the same property as when she as where she grew up. And so obviously she has a lot of memories and a lot of history on the property and so the movie does focus on that and kind of how she deals with that as an older person versus like how innocent and happy she was when she was young versus now like married into one of the worst families on the planet i'm gonna read one that rated it poorly this person said whoever wrote this movie hates diana spencer every other character is portrayed showing diana kindness and patience while she's erratic and rude, she's boiled down to a mentally ill problem that everyone must work around. The only redeeming scenes are those involving the kids, and even that is a stretch as she's shown at times being a bad mother, sharing an inappropriate amount of her emotional toil with William. I'll admit I'm biased as I do subscribe to the modern legend of Diana the Humanitarian, the People's Princess, too sensitive for the harsh cold inhumanity of being a royal, a victim of the firm. But this portrayal isn't just a bit more flawed than her public persona. This movie portrays a bad person, which I really don't think she was. The affair is treated almost entirely as Camilla's fault, with little, if any, of Diana's anger being directed towards Charles. 
Although I did appreciate Charles being humanized a bit as he is, after all, also a victim of the firm. I really don't think Stewart's performance is anywhere Oscar, anywhere near Oscar level. I had a hard time separating her own mannerisms from the character she's supposed to be playing. I understand the, ac- the ac- ac- Academy Awards. Whoa, okay. I understand the Academy Awards are affected by money and popularity and campaigning or whatever it was Weinstein, Weinstein did. But even then, Kirsten's performance was so riddled with her signature grimaces and lip pursing, it took me out of the movie entirely. Lastly, putting a filter on the footage or shooting it with film does not make a good movie. The 2020s are all about nostalgia and the vintage, but at some point you do actually need quality. Aesthetics are not enough. I welcome any objections as I could be wrong. I'm certainly not on any film festival award panel, panel, but if this movie is art or by any measure good enough to be heralded as outstanding, then my eyes must be failing me and my taste must have left me. Okay, wow, I kind of, like, struggle to read this review for some reason. My just brain and lips were not working. But I don't think this movie portrayed Princess Diana as a bad person. I think you and any one of us would have had the same or worse reactions to the environment that she was in. Like, can you imagine being followed every fucking where for the media, like out of everyone in the royal family for the media to be like stalking you where you can't even like get changed in your own room without having someone on your fucking property trying to take pictures of you where everyone in the royal family doesn't like you and tells you to just shut up and look pretty and like eat your food where everything is planned out for you and, like, you have no freedom to decide anything in your life. I think you would have the same reaction. And she's not, like... I don't think she was portrayed as someone who was, like... Someone, on someone you know, in the Queen of State was like, hi, how are you doing? And she was like, fuck off. Like, she wasn't like that. She was just like going through stuff like she was literally fighting for her life and honestly i think you could argue that anyone on the queen's estate didn't actually fucking care about her besides maggie besides maggie everyone else was disingenuous and i think her reaction or maybe her snippy comments or maybe her just not being totally amenable all the time as a good princess quote-unquote should be is due to her just seeing to that disingenuinity or that disingenuineness of whatever that word is of just everyone else on in the queen's estate staff they didn't give a fuck about her they didn't give a fuck about her they didn't really actually care about her not one person besides maggie cared that she had an eating eating disorder cared that like she was you know harming herself Care that, like, she was very clearly unwell. They just wanted her to show up for dinner in the outfit that they told her to put on. So I don't think we could characterize Princess Diana as being erratic and rude. And even if she was, I would argue it was not undeserved. I think any one of us would have had those reactions. I probably, knowing myself, would have had a way more intense and worse reaction to those people in the wrong family, I would have told them to fuck the entire fuck off. 
I would have done a whole Meghan Markle, renounced my royalness, and done whatever the fuck I wanted to do with my kids. I don't think we could even, I don't think we could say that Pablo, the director who made this film, hated Princess Diana. Anything, I think he humanized a lot of her because I think we, it's hard to relate. It's like, I personally feel like it's very hard to relate to people who have a lot of money. Um, I'm not, you know, particularly poor or anything, but that status of wealth is something that I definitely would not get in my life. And so it's very hard to relate to people who have that amount of wealth because just so much of people's well-being relies on money um, and can be affected largely by money. So I think the default is, you know, the default way of thinking is if you have a lot of money, more than likely you're happy. And I think what this movie did was it humanized her beyond just being a royal, wealthy person. Like, this woman, this woman was struggling. She was really, really struggling. Really, really, really struggling. And I think this movie showed that. Definitely. Definitely didn't portray her as erratic or rude, in my opinion. And I'm going to address the comment of, like, her being a bad mom in the movie. There aren't that many scenes in this movie where she interacts with her sons. And I don't think, and maybe this is just controversial, and I don't have kids, but I think it's so important, especially showing to boys as a parent, or even not as a parent, but just showing to boys that you're struggling and that you don't have it all figured out and that you're fucking human and you're not Superman is so, so important, especially as we continue to dismantle, quote unquote, I mean, not quote unquote, but this idea of toxic masculinity. To- Why can't I talk today? Toxic masculinity, we need to do better by our sons and by the men in society because so many times we condition men to think, like, you have to have it all figured out 100% of the time. You have to be a provider. You have to just have it all. And I think when we show, especially as parents, that I'm not Superman, I'm doing the best that I can at this moment with what I have, with what I know, and that is okay. And I think Princess Diana, I'm talking about her like I know this girl, I don't know this girl. But I think as a parent, it's okay to show your kids that you're going through something, that you're struggling, that you need some time. And... I think it's okay to kind of share what you're struggling with. I do. I really do. I think it shouldn't be so taboo to share those kinds of things. But I I think we do a great disservice to our kids and to men in particular to not show, to not, to think that we're being bad parents and bad mothers and bad fathers in particularly by 
telling them that we're struggling with something. That's not a bad thing. I wish my parents respected and trusted and had the relationship with, type of relationship with me to where they felt that they could tell me that they were struggling with something, that they didn't have it all figured out, that I didn't need to have it all figured out. Because what you're essentially doing is modeling to them what it's okay to be and do as an adult. And it is absolutely okay to share your feelings, share that you're struggling with something, share that you're a human being. I don't think that makes you a bad mother, a bad father, a bad parent. It doesn't. I would argue it makes you a good one. I hope that you all give this movie the time of day. I know that Kristen Stewart is, you know, you either hate her or you love her. I happen to love her. Um, but I do think regardless of Kristen Stewart, this movie needs to be seen. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people would actually, you know, appreciate it. I really do. I really do. Besides, I think it's, you know, a larger conversation about mental health, um, and what that kind of pressure and animosity and environment can do to a person, particularly a woman. And she's a white woman. Like, think about, think about how bad this could turn out for a black woman, a woman of color, a trans person. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild to think about. Um, I give this movie an, a 9 out of 10. A 9 out of 10. I really did enjoy it. And I enjoyed the angle of it, as I've said multiple times throughout this episode. Um, I think there's there's a lot to be said about what this movie does does well. And... Um, yeah, I hope you I hope you see it. I understand if you don't because of the subject matter. Um, and if you're particularly sensitive about those topics, I don't know, I might steer clear of it uh, because many people have said it's very it's pretty hard to watch. So just think about that. but um I I loved it. I did love it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Film with CJ. If you like this podcast, give the podcast Twitter a follow at Film with CJ and give me a five-star review. Only five stars, please. Nothing else. I got another episode cooking and maybe a possible guest. We'll see. But uh, find out next Thursday. As always. See ya.